0: Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have award winning actress, singer, and director Tashina Arnold, who's known for her iconic performance as Pam on one of my all time favorite shows, Martin. Coming up, I talk to Tashina. About growing up in Queens as a latchkey kid, the performers who inspire her as an artist, and her thoughts on the impact Martin had on all of us and the culture. Up next, Tashina Arnold. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You know the rules. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Refer a friend, a family member, a coworker. Make sure you're sharing this good old-fashioned so, food and check out the new column we do each Thursday. This week's guest, as I mentioned, Tashina Arnold is only right to have a theme like, Speak your dreams into existence. Listen closely. The power of words and the power of speaking things into existence is often so very underestimated. But the truth is, Say what you want out loud, because it's crucial to your success. It allows you to take control of your life and create the actual reality that you want. So many times growing up, I watched Dr. J. He had a pristine afro. He was always immaculately dressed, well-spoken. And by the way, a championship basketball player. rocked the cradle against the los angeles lakers and michael cooper and did the dunk her round the world just so you know when that happened i started to sign autographs except i was the only person that was receiving it why in school instead of putting jalen rose and this is when you were taught to write in cursive that was too easy so i started to write dr j and of course Everybody teased me. Everybody laughed at me. Teachers thought I was crazy. I even got in trouble for doing it. I got chastised for putting Dr. J on my paper. So you know what I did? I started putting Jalen Dr. J Rose on all of my papers. I spoke it into existence. Nobody else except my mom believed the entire way. and. We made a promise. If and when I made the NBA, I could be the greatest player of all time, just not better than her and my favorite, Irvin Magic Johnson. And she would tell me, you're going to be the greatest. You just ain't going to be better than Magic. And that motivated me. And he motivated me. He's been on this show. Magic Johnson knows my name. He signed a book for me. And inside his book, He wrote, and I quote, when I see you, I see me. He knows I was a tall point guard at the University of Michigan playing with the Fab Five. And they used to call me Baby Magic. I didn't live up to that one. But who can? But to the point, it's important to truly manifest your desires into reality. You got to speak on it. As if it's already yours. Don't say I hope. I wish. Say I will. Say I am. One of my favorite Nas songs. We played this in the hallways. At JRLA during passing periods. And it's kids on the jingle. And it goes like this. I know I can. Be what I want to be. If I work hard for it. I'll be what I want to be. And say those affirmations with confidence. I am capable. I am strong. I am worthy. I deserve great things. And don't settle for less. Words like that have so much power. Whether you're saying them out loud to yourself or to others around you. Just remember, when you know you're going after what you want, The universe just has a way of stepping aside and allowing it to happen for you. My next guest knows all about that. Tashina Arnold is a talented actress, singer, and new director who's left a huge mark on the Black culture and in comedy history as a whole. With her jokes, with her fashion, with her versatility. Coming up, I talked to Tashina about the golden era of TV sitcoms, the moment she realized that she wanted to be an entertainer, and how she feels working behind the camera for the first time. Up next, Tashina Arnold. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is an award-winning actress known for so many iconic roles. I'll just tell you a couple of them. Everybody hates Chris. Martin, the list goes on and on. She's currently playing Tina Butler on the CBS sitcom series with my brother from another, said the entertainer, called The Neighborhood. Now in its fifth season, uh-oh, getting close to them syndication checks. It is <laughs> Don't, my count, my money, Don't <laughs> count my money, James. Don't count my money, It is my honor to welcome the hilarious Tashina Arnold to the Renaissance man. Thank you for joining me. Uh,
1: Thank you for having me, Jalen. How are you,
0: sweetheart? I'm doing well. And I know a lot about your story. I'm a huge fan of yours. I was so very gracious that you took time to join us because to let our audience know a lot of things about you that they may not know. So I want to ask you initially, tell me, was it like growing up for you in Queens, New York?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, growing up in New York, we had the best of all worlds because New York was, you know, Grand Central Station, pardon the pun, for mm-hmm. culture. So, you know, I had it, it wasn't until I moved to California that I was able to really uh, not respect New York, but to really embrace the fact that I really had I, I had a great upbringing. I um I you know I went to music and art school of music and art so I would take three trains and a bus to the city every day, uh, and I've been in the industry since I was eleven years old. Started singing at church since I was you know in, since the age of three, uh, so culturally I've been surrounded by everything. Um, so that has always been a part of me, and it's it's helped helped me you know later down in life because now uh, me being exposed to the wonderful city of New York and allowed me to meet so many different kinds of people and, and just be blessed with just good information. You know, mm-hmm. you're a little quicker, you street smarts a lot, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so <laughs> exactly. I, I possess a little bit of everything. So I will always, always give credence to New York for that because uh, it's a great city, great city.
0: Absolutely. So when did you know, because you talked about being three years old and 11 years old, so when did you know that acting and singing and entertainment was something that you wanted to do as a career?
1: I knew by the time I hit the stage, I, I uh, did this play called the me, nobody knows at the mm. Billy holiday theater in Brooklyn. Mm. And it was my first job. You didn't, you know, there was no money. I was, 12 going on 13. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on that stage and just, you know, people clapping and just all all the performances. I was just like, this is, this is what I do. This is what, Mm -hmm. so being a kid, it was like, I didn't know any better. There was nothing else that I even thought about doing. I just knew that I was in my element. I knew that, you know, another pivotal Point in my life was when I was three. You know, that's the only thing that I can remember when I was three. I remember looking at my mother and telling my mom, "I want to sing." And the type of person my mother is, she was like, "My baby wants to sing." So (laughs) they literally, and I think the church still has that same brown table. They put me. I remember they put me, stood me up on the table, gave me the mic, and I'm looking out in the audience, and the 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 congregation was just quiet. Mm. And then I sang, "If I had a hammer." And I remember every, the church just going up and clapping with me. And it's just a feeling you just never, ever forget. So I think that's when I got the real bug for entertainment. And by the time I was 13, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm, yeah. You couldn't tell me I wasn't in the
0: right in- Absolutely. <laughs> and so getting into entertainment the way you did was kind of like sports for me.
1: Oh, really? Like,
0: when I was young, I always told people, I'm going to make it to the league. I used wow. to write my... My autographs is Dr. J and everything, but being young and being black, what happens is so many of us have that goal and that dream. Mm -hmm. And so you talked about taking three trains and taking one bus to get there. See, that didn't go over my head. Talk about the sacrifices that you were making early in your life to pursue your dream.
1: (laughs) Well, my, I where I learned that it was going to be a sacrifice was when I was 12 years old I became well no around yeah 12 12 13 I became a latchkey kid. Uh my sister was 3 years younger than me. My mom worked for the Department of Sanitation. My dad uh was a cop in uh in in in, in Brooklyn and literally they you know my they're both having two parents that work for the city they had nine to five jobs so i remember my mother telling me she said look i'm gonna show you how to go to your auditions mm. on the train and this is at the age of 12. Wow. so i learned how to take the train by myself but my, my 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 mom told me she said i can't lose a day of work anymore i can't mm-hmm. take you on your auditions i can't lose any more work mm-hmm. and she said, "Do you really want to do this?" And I said, "Yes, I mm-hmm. really want to do it." So we have to understand as young black people, as black individuals, we are so powerful, our words that we speak mm-hmm. are powerful. And just yeah. how you told yourself you want to be in the league, you spoke into yep. existence. Correct. So now what we have to work on is the follow-through, because mm-hmm. you get exactly what you pray for. Mm-hmm. But are you ready for it?
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: think, you know, being young, I didn't know whether or not I was ready for it. I wanted it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I wanted to entertain by any means necessary. And it happened.
0: So you entertain, you're hilarious, you (laughs) act, and and you sing. Like, I'm a huge fan of yours. (laughs) So I have to ask, like, as you were growing and as you were maturing, like, who were some of the people that inspired you in those fields?
1: Oh gosh, Gladys Knight, Carol Burnett,
0: mm. Flip
1: Wilson. Um, I loved, uh, oh gosh, uh, Sherman Hemsley. I love watching. Mm-hmm. I love Red Fox. I just, oh, yeah. I love Red Fox. I love watching Lily Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were just so many great performances, uh, like performers that just, I was glued to the TV. And that was Jalen during the day where I was. ABC, NBC, mm-hmm. and CBS. Yes, and maybe had I think Channel Nine. I can't remember the call mm-hmm. letters for it. But programming, television programming, was literally programmed. It mm-hmm. came the same shows came on every night. And I I was inspired by Nell Carter as well. Mm-hmm. I remember I said Nell Carter. She's the only black woman on a major network with her own show coming on three and four times a day mm-hmm. and people didn't realize yeah. that, but I noticed that. And so that was one of those things where I could do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be on TV too. One day I could have my own show. Correct. So I never forgotten. it. so I always thought, and I, I always made sure that I would always be mindful that it's not just being in the industry, but it's a, it's a responsibility that comes with mm-hmm. it. So yeah. I can't do all the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I can't act the way I want to act in public all the time. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. always somebody watching. And then now that I have a daughter who's 19 going, uh, 18 going on 55, 55. <laughs> 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 these children watch everything yeah. we do. And I'm seeing her, like I'm seeing myself through her. Mm-hmm. So a part of me is living, you know, yes. on this earth. And it's just, it's weird. But it's 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 gratifying and it makes me know just how important my position is in life.
0: Absolutely. And you described a golden era in what I believe were television sitcoms where we can sit in front of the TV and flip the channel. See Good Times, Sanford and Son, the Jeffersons. Like I remember watching um, Sherman Hemsley's character grow from being on Archie Bunker. Yeah, all the family, yeah. And, and I remember watching that show thinking, I know that what he just said is racist, but this show was funny to me. Funny. You know what I'm oh saying? my
1: God. <laughs> but Norman, you know, I, I thanked Norman Lear for that because Norman Lear, you know, being an old white guy, yep. you know, in charge of all of these Black shows, he still kept a lot of integrity. You know, good times after a while. It's just, I said, I'm tired of the... Negativity. It's like, mm-hmm. when are these people gonna make it out of the hood? Like, yeah, are they,
0: they going gonna ever like, get out of the ghetto? Yeah, yeah we need some
1: <laughs> some happiness here. So I stopped watching that. Right. But All in the Family had real issues, and I love the way he presented them. It was palatable. You know, a lot of times we don't like the truth, but sometimes mm-hmm. you gotta face the truth, and it Correct. is what it is. And we're dealing with a very racist,
0: mm-hmm. prejudiced
1: world, and we have to be able to navigate through that. So. You know, sometimes the story you like it, sometimes you may not, but what are you getting out of it? What are you getting from it? So no, it's important that we tell real stories.
0: Absolutely. And it was so well written and articulated. It, it allowed me to digest it. And to your point, and this is the next question I ask, because as a public figure, you got to have tough skin because not only are we imperfect human beings, but sometimes your critics are right. Oh, and so that's,
1: a, that's wow. Yeah. Wow, see, okay. sometimes that's our awesome. critics are
0: right. And so for you, I have to ask you, you like, you, you've been very successful for an extremely long time in multiple different genres. So I ask you, like, how do you overcome your critics? How do you deal with criticism? Um,
1: I deal with criticism pretty well. Now that I'm older, I'm a little more wiser, but I do think back in times where, you know, I probably should have handled that a little differently. It is the important part is setting your ego aside. Mm. You have, we all have egos. It's how we keep our egos. Correct. And and I learned to check myself. So I think that comes from being in the industry and being told what to do. So, Mm. you know, All my life, it's like, you get directors, you're like, okay, you do this, do that, do that. So actors are always being told what to do. And you know, you kind of watch other people's lives, but I always check myself. I constantly Mm -hmm. check myself. And if I know that I'm feeling sensitive or a little off about something, I won't read people's comments or sometimes I'll reply to it. I don't mind healthy debates, but Mm -hmm. I never, I never mind being, you know, corrected because we're all human. We're not Correct. perfect.
0: We're not perfect. A- absolutely. And I, as somebody, again, who watched so much television, took so much pride in the fact that the historic comedy of Martin, which you were <laughs> featured on, represented my hometown of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, we took so much pride in that show being quote-unquote set in Detroit so I have to ask what was it like for you in the early days of filming Martin?
1: We didn't know what we had Jalen like literally we had fun literally every day we came to work and then you know working with Martin he's like a he's like a kind of a, a, a gun like once he takes off there's no stopping him so like even when he first started the show we used to have to Push him on his mark because he wasn't used to, <laughs> you know, the semantics right. of, you know, yeah, working right. in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And so if you go back to our earlier shows in that first season, you'll see Martin laughing. It's because we're pushing him on his mark. And <laughs> I'm like, you're on my mark. <laughs> so we like literally had fun. But we I learned so much from Martin because his comedy, what we were doing was what we would do at home. Mm-hmm. You know, my character, Pam, was originally for a heavy heavyset mm-hmm. character. So when yeah, I booked the there. role, because when I auditioned for the role, all the jokes were fat girl jokes. Oh. So when I booked the role, you know, I was skinny then. I, I, ain't, I ain't anymore, but I was oh. skinny back then. So, you know, once I got the role, Martin and his crew didn't realize that I knew how to crack too. You know, we call right. crack on each other. And I was like... All the things that happened off camera, they started just, in, in, you know, putting them in the script. And and Martin was really good about that. He was like, if it ain't funny, it wasn't going to happen. But the cameras, we, we just, when Martin moved, you move. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I learned. When comedy starts and it don't stop, you got to go with it.
0: The, and have the fun. one thing that I don't know if you guys realize this, but your character and Gina's character represented a level of strength and and unapologetic Black woman's independence on TV. Mm -hmm. So what was it like for you to to be able to like crack jokes, express yourself and not always be the butt of the joke, so to speak, Mm -hmm. like so many times we see ourselves and or Black women playing roles like that?
1: Well, there were some women and later about like, Like, some people still talk about, you know, uh, colorism amongst us as Black people. And Martin cracking on Pam did not come from a mean place. And the reason why I could say that, because I was there as we were developing. Where that came from was that me and Martin really went back and forth like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so that's why they wrote... That uh, episode where he's having dreams of having sex with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Our relationship and our dynamic was really built upon us, me being the best friend. And you know, the best friend is always a third wheel. She's always no a hater. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So we played off of that. It had nothing to do with color. So that you know, a lot of women, dark skinned women, they get insulted because they're like, Well, why is she dark one? He's got a light-skinned girlfriend, blah blah So it was not derived from that at, at all. Because that's not how Martin is. That's not how he that's not how he rolls, like at all. His you know, his sisters are my color. So he mm-hmm. would never disrespect his own sister, you know. Right.
0: No it's doubt. like
1: it came from a real place. And uh, some people understand it, some people don't. But literally, we did not know that we would culturally um, mm-hmm. make a stamp. Yes. That, the you know, that we, the way we did, we had no idea, no and,
0: idea. And anybody that watched the show understand it wasn't about colorism at all because like you would crack on him and usually like your jokes would be stronger than his. But, 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 but for real though, because sometimes they don't allow that to happen to the star. You right. see what I'm saying? Right. So I have to ask you, like, what are one of your favorite skits or show, uh, one of your favorite skits or shows for Martin?
1: Uh, my! Fa- well, my favorite episode was the CD episode, CD player, where uh, it was a playoff, New J- New Jack City. That was my favorite episode. I literally almost tinkled on myself, laughing. <laughs> Try not to laugh. Tommy gave up. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy would all... Because what we would do on the show, we always tried to make each other like one up each other. So whoever laughed first, you're out of the, you're out of the game. Right? Like <laughs> so, Tisha was really good with not laughing. Carl would cheat because he would go, you would, he would be laughing, but he would go off camera, and you'll hear him go. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. But that that CD that CD episode was hilarious because the backstory on that Martin wanted a real dog. We were a black show. We didn't have a big budget. They were like, We're not getting you a real dog. So when we saw the fake dog, it was like, Oh my God, somebody's getting fired today. <laughs> <laughs> but Martin, in his comedic brilliance, was able to take that fake dog and work with it. But his one requisite, it was like, He's like, Look, you cannot, if this dog got to be able to stand up, it better mm. not fall. So we're hearing him tell this to the prop masters. We're like, Okay, hopefully the dog won't fall. They was like, no, the dog has, it has weight in the, you know, the bottom of it. So as Martin's doing the scene and that dog fell, we were like, oh my God. But when he said, lay, after that dog fell, I lost it. We all lost it. We were done. So it's just so many wonderful moments on Martin. And too bad the studio audience was able to get more of what our television audience, there was so many things that happened off camera. Mm-hmm. that were way funnier than what happened on County. Because back then we couldn't curse. Right. There's a lot of stuff that we couldn't do. We had you know, people counting the dams, counting the hells. Uh-huh. But we had a blast. And culturally, we, we're so appreciative to have made a, a mark in in, yes. in, uh, in our community.
0: Absolutely. And it was great to see you guys have a 30-year reunion. Um, I, I mentioned it as, as I introduced you. Cedric the Entertainer is a friend yes. of mine. He's been he on this show. <laughs> You're in your fifth season now of The Neighborhood on CBS. Yes. Get that network money and what audience.
1: What? And don't be counting my money, Jay. <laughs> count, count <laughs> trying to get money.
0: syndicated. Trying to get <laughs> syndicated. I'm going to have to start walking to your mailbox for you. I am not mad at all. Well, syndication <laughs> is not as
1: good as it was back then, unfortunately. Mm, streaming, teach me. Tr- streaming changed the game. Gotcha. Streaming changed the game. I'm happy that technology is moving forward, but back in the day when you were able to get into syndication on one show, you could retire. Mm. Not so much anymore.
0: Gotcha.
1: (laughs) Checks ain't as good as that, not unless you own the show. And I don't, I don't own any of the shows that I'm on, have been on. But, uh, but it's a blessing because I this is the first time I've been on a major network.
0: Mm -hmm. Killing them.
1: Never been. Fox, when we did Martin, Fox wasn't a major network; it's an independent network. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: now that Fox is a major network, now you know. But uh, being on CBS, CBS is it's wonderful. It really it's good. Like I want, I'm I'm happy that my career has been able to have growth. I, I like doing. I want to do a little bit of everything. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm. You know, directing now. I'm starting my directorial debut. So I'm just expanding. You know, you got to expand. You got to grow.
0: So talk to me about directing and how important it was for you to show not only that creative side of yourself, but to also inspire others that want to follow in your footsteps.
1: Well, we got to understand that our words are very powerful. And I tell people all the time, grown people, young people don't walk in fear. We have Mm -hmm. to learn how to be fearlessness, fearless. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have fearful moments, but those are just moments. We have to work through the fear. You can't let any, because fear will stop you. Mm -hmm. Fear will make you second guess yourself. Fear will make you change your dreams and aspirations. Fear will make you dummy yourself down. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to get in a place where you dig your your heels in the ground and really believe in yourself, really believe what you're doing. So I've been asked to direct for the longest time. I kind of shied away from it because like, you know, that's something else I got to learn. I'm just not ready to do it. I want to, you know, I want to work in front of the camera a little longer. And then the opportunity kept presenting itself, kept presenting itself. So you know what I did? Little by little, I let go of that unknown feeling of fear of doing something else. And directing, but I've had my directorial debut with BET Her, uh, you know, doing a, a film short about breast cancer awareness. So now I'm in a position to where now I can direct things, um, our own stories. I, it's important that we tell our own stories. So directing will give me that opportunity to do so as well.
0: Absolutely. And I know I only got a couple of minutes left with you, but I have to ask you, and again, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm a huge thank you
1: fan. For having, thank you but for having. I,
0: I appreciate how you and Tisha Campbell opened up the Soul Train Awards
1: oh. with an
0: incredible soul medley. So, oh. what does that era of music mean to you? Oh. And which artists are some of your favorites?
1: Oh my gosh! You know, music—I always say—makes the world go around. But black people, we are music. Music is not just—it's—it's it's, um, music is a ministry. It's—it's it's, you know, it's a ministry for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I never became a music artist. Mm. I don't like the music
0: Mm. business. Business.
1: Don't like it, Mm -hmm. never did. Mm -hmm. And I probably never will Right. if it continues in that path. Because singing was the first gift that God gave me. Singing was the first gift that I realized I had. And so I protect it. I I cherish it. And I want to make sure that I, you know. But uh, being a part of Soul Train was great because we want to always stay true to our roots. And Mm -hmm. Gladys Knight, you know, uh, I mean, come on, Stevie Wonder. Like, I could go, the list goes on and on and on. Whitney Houston. I mean, just so many great music artists that we've lost. We have great music artists that are still here. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep sharing the music, sharing with each other, helping each other, supporting each other. Let's just keep going. No fear, no fear. Let's go.
0: I want to thank you for your talent and your voice and your strength. Thank because you, you and I both know for you doing what you've been doing for as very long as you have and not compromising yourself is extremely hard in this industry. And I just want to hard. give you that love <laughs> and that and and that support. But Thank before you. I let you out of here, I got a rapid fire segment called Gone In 60 Seconds. Gone In 60 Ready Seconds, to do this? all right. All right, you're a TV mom on screen in the neighborhood as well as off screen. Who's your favorite TV mom? Oh, uh, Isabel Sanford. Legend. Great <laughs> answer. Of the many roles you've played over the years, which one would you say is the most underrated?
1: In roles? In roles?
0: Yes. They were underrated.
1: Cassie on Survivor's Remorse.
0: Mm-hmm. Crush that. If you could karaoke night with any musical artist, who would it be? Oh, that's no fair, but I would have to say Gladys Knight. I love Gladys Knight. She's a legend. And last (laughs) but certainly not least, before I let you get out of here, what can fans expect from the neighborhood on this upcoming season? More good. (laughs) Let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. You can say whatever you want. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate you. Yes, ma'am. Much That's success
1: music. to you for yes, taking ma'am. your career to another level. That's good. Absolutely. That's I'm good. coming to the
0: neighborhood set to come and support real soon.
1: I appreciate you, man. In a minute. Yes,
0: indeed. Last call. Last call. I would love to thank Tashina Arnold for stopping by the podcast. Be sure to check out one of my favorite shows, The Neighborhood. And not only see her, but my brother, former Renaissance Man guest, Cedric the Entertainer. One thing that stuck out to me about Tashina that I learned is that she knew she needed to overcome her fear of being a director. And this reminds me, I need to have the courage to learn a second language. I've been talking about this since high school, and I remind myself of one of the dumbest things I ever told myself. I don't need to learn Spanish because I'm never going to Spain. Jeez, that's dumb. Man, I look in the mirror and realize I said that to myself. I'm like, now, if you look at the dynamics of society, just look at what I do for a living. When you watch me on TV, imagine if I could speak another language. I will be unstoppable. I will be Uh, an all-time great. I think I'm already that now, but you get the point. Overcome your fear. And it was incredible to hear Tashina, who's so very confident and gifted, admit that she even has her moments of doubt. Guess what? We all do. But she was able to put those feelings aside and dive into a part of the industry that she hadn't fully explored. I'm so very excited to see her directorial debut And BET, hers, oh baby, baby. So I ask you, what's something that you are feeling fearful to try? Who in your life is going to hold you accountable? I just said out loud, I don't want to learn Spanish because I'm never going to Spain. That's one of the all-time dumbest things a human being can say. I'm not proud of that. I don't think it's cute or cool. But now I need you to hold me accountable and I need to hold myself accountable to overcome my fear of trying. It could be a small task or a big life change. Remember, everything that you ever want is always on the other side of fear. I'm the Renaissance man. See you next week.